Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, I speak with Dr. Mark Morris. This is his second appearance on the Truly Fit Podcast. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Mark, he has his doctorate in nutrition. He is a Canadian, which is not surprising, given that uh, it seems like one in five of our guests are Canadian. And what he does now really is work with nutrition coaches and health coaches and fitness professionals and help them, I would call it, streamline their coaching process, help them get more clients and help them uh, understand how to get their clients to their goals successfully through proper scientific principles, but also how to work with clients from a client relations standpoint and a marketing standpoint. And Mark has such a thorough process in a deep understanding of all the different components of wearing the sales hat, of wearing the science hat, of wearing the client relations strategist hat. And we got into what I would call, hence the name of the episode, a really honest client conversation. There are a lot of things that people don't like to talk about in both the nutrition world and the personal training fitness world. Sometimes you don't always get clients to their goals. Sometimes it's really hard to get clients. Sometimes you feel salesy in that process and you don't want to do it. What do you really need to do to get clients? Should you build fast? Should you build slow? We really go down the full spectrum of honest conversations, both from Mark's perspective and my perspective on struggles that both nutrition coaches and personal trainers have in building their business. We talk about reaching out to family members. Should you do that? How do you do that? Reaching out to former clients of yours. If you feel like that relationship was broken at some point, how do you go about that? Are people doing this? Is this a strategy that you can use to help grow your business? It was a great conversation. At the end, I got to ask three or four questions that are going to be leading into the next episode. So next episode with Vinny Russo, who is a bodybuilding pro and IFBB pro, and also a nutrition professional, has his master's in nutrition, and I ask him what I consider five frustrating client questions, mostly surrounding nutrition, some surrounding fitness. And I take some of those questions, give you a preview, and I ask them to Mark, how do you respond, not to us, not to fitness professionals and health professionals who know, but how do you respond to clients who ask questions like, is sugar bad for me? Do I need to cut out all carbohydrates? Can I gain 10 pounds of muscle and lose 15 pounds of body fat at the same time? These questions that clients are always coming to us and asking. And we have to really understand that it's it's not okay for us to poo-poo these questions and roll our eyes at clients. We have to give them the green light to ask whatever questions they want to at any time and tell them, yes, this is a great question or why are you asking this exactly? What, what do you think about this? And then explain it from our perspectives, what's important and what's not important. And Mark gives some great insights and answers to give to your clients potentially when they ask these questions. It was a fantastic conversation. Mark is, I'm not supposed to play favorites, but probably one of my, if not my favorite guests to speak to. With no further ado, here is Dr. Mark. Mark, Excuse round me. two here. Thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast again. Uh, for the audience members who didn't get to hear you on round one, why don't you give a quick, brief background on who you are and what it is that you do in the health, fitness, and nutrition industry? Steve, thanks for having me back on. I'm really excited to chat. I know, I think we just we just got into it last time and we must have talked for like an hour and a half back and forth about like every which way, nutrition, fitness, how to market this stuff and all that. So I'm excited to be on again. Um, my name is Dr. Mark Morris, a PhD in human nutrition. I've been in the training, powerlifting, nutrition space since about 2008, working with clients since 2010. I kind of laugh at the pandemic and people going online because I've been sitting in front of a computer listening or talking to anyone that'll listen about nutrition and fitness stuff for the last decade. And I'm right. just really passionate about uh, sharing what I know, not only to individuals that want to improve their health, but also um, coaches looking to include nutrition coaching into their practice, which is a relatively new field, um, as well as, you know, people that just full on want a nutrition coach and help others with their passion. So that's who I am. Tell us a, a little bit about your program. Is it a program that you, let's say, graduate from? There are, it's a certain like a uh, number of uh, weeks that they go through your course. Is it, uh, they have to pass particular tests to go through it? How does, how does your course run from that perspective? 
Yeah. So at the end of our 12 week program, you'd be a certified online nutrition coach And the main, I guess, check mark or like test is a practicum at the end of working with an actual client uh, under my supervision, going through the steps of everything that we built out over the 12 weeks in terms of we answer just about every question in terms of, you know, what questions do I ask the beginning in the intake process and get people interested and, and, you know, how do I set them up and assess what's holding them back from their goals? Um, and, you know, what do I need to prescribe for them to get results and how do I coach them on a week to week basis? How do I graduate them? How do I have those tough conversations when things aren't going so well, but also how do I keep people engaged when things are going well? Um, and then how to pull social media content from this stuff so you can continue to grow your business. And we do that all over uh, 90 days. And at the end, um, it all kind of wraps up with working with an actual client uh, for the last four weeks. Yeah, it's fantastic because it's such a full spectrum that you hit in every area of the business model. And that's why you know that I harp on like how I hate the click funnel bros and people who are always like, I can get you 10 clients, I can get you 20 clients, I can get you 30 clients. It's like, okay, well, then I'm going to lose 25 of those 30 clients because I don't know what to do with them. So totally. like you want to sort of grow commiserate with your skill set. I don't want 30 yeah. clients day one because yeah. I'm not going to be able to help 30 clients day one. I'm going to be seeing too many different things. But it seems like your program says, hey, listen, we're going to find ways to get you clients. We're going to get unique. We're going to be involved in the social media landscape and be yep. hip and be cool and use some sales and marketing techniques. But I'm also going to teach you how to get clients to their goals so you can spread your skills sort of word of mouth also. Completely, completely. I think, and again, I think this, my programs came from spending 10 years in university and then realizing I still don't really know how to apply this stuff and just accumulating knowledge for the sake of doing it, then being like, oh, like, what do I do now? And I know people have a really similar experience, be it, you know, an actual degree or a certification, learning things for the sake of learning them and feeling like, yeah, I learned a lot, but at the same time, I really don't know how to apply it. So we try to step by step take what's important and take action on it. And we kind of laugh at the, you know, the click funnel bros, um, because they kind of are a bit off putting and rub us the wrong way. But there is something to be said about taking action and taking the steps and doing that kind of stuff. We also just want to back it up with, okay, we got some interest. we got people curious. We even got people signed up through the right marketing and sales strategies. What do we do now to provide a, a good service? So we can't disregard that entirely either. No, totally. And I, and I actually really like the people who say, hey, listen, if you're making X amount of dollars now, if you already have a skill set, if you're doing it, I have a way to help you grow because mm -hmm. chances are you're doing something right. You're helping people. You just don't know how to get to the next step. I get that. But it's mm -hmm. where the beginners come in. It's when the people are fresh out of uh, a Dr. Mark you know, certification or fresh out of a National Academy mm -hmm. of Sports Medicine certification who don't really have the skill set yet to help people. Of course, you're never going to be perfect, right? We have to start somewhere, but it's about exactly. starting and growing in the right manner and not trying to say, the only goal is I need 50 clients right away. I need to make a lot of money. If your goal isn't to help people, then you're going to fail. And ultimately you, you have to be doing a service for your clients. Yeah. I think what they probably, I completely agree. I think what the, the, these marketing bros probably do well is that they do sell you on the possibility. I just think it can't end there, right? I think what gets people interested in actually taking their passion and helping more people is the fact that they can make money doing this and they can make a career out of it and that type of thing. And that is the dream, but it just got to be followed up with something. Um, it's also, it's a lot like when I talk about nutrition based stuff, we focus so much on fat loss and aesthetics and looking a certain way, uh, because in a lot of cases, that's what people want. And it opens yeah. a door to a bunch of different possibility, right? Like maybe you start this journey because of the way you want to look from an aspirational sense, but you, you continue on it because, Hey, this makes me feel a lot better. And I'm taking care of my overall health. Right. So I think if you can start to view things a little bit differently in terms of now I'm wearing my marketing hat, now I'm wearing my coaching hat and start to distinguish what you need to say and when and when it's appropriate to and when it's going to be the most effective, I think that is where you start to really harness the power of your passion as well as building a business doing this stuff. Yeah, you're right. And we talk. I talk about this before on here. Sometimes vanity gets them through the door, right? That's, that's, you sort of reel them in with vanity. And once you get them through the door, you go, Hey, listen, there's a lot more to than you just having big biceps. Like I'm, I'm worried about your overall long-term health and wellness. So we have mm -hmm. to add in X, Y, and Z exercises yeah. in order to make sure you're there. And that's fine. Yeah. That's, that, that's all good and well. And I hope that's what people do. But I think, uh, whether for good or for, for better or for worse, getting clients is a pain point. So people use that 
to lure people in and say, I can get you clients because it is the number one biggest problem in the industry for all professionals is how do I get clients? So what do you see, Mark? What do you see from your nutrition professionals? Like the top two or three reasons why they struggle getting clients. Is it that they're doing something wrong or is it that they're maybe not taking action at all? I think the biggest, one of the biggest things is, is people, they talk about the things that are important to them and not necessarily what's important to their, their client, the people they're trying to attract. So if you can kind of think about, let me put myself in their shoes for a second and think about what they're struggling with, what they want and what they need to hear to open this door, you would start to attract people that want your services, not others in your position. That would be probably the biggest thing. And the reason why I see this in terms of the landscape of different coaches I work with, beginners, intermediates, people with established businesses, people that might have got to where they were in spite of what they've done, which is also a thing that like happens quite often. And we see it even more and more in the the, the evidence-based world um, because, first of all, evidence-based training and nutrition has done so much to give us a sense of why people get results and what's important and what's not. But at times, it's probably been tough from a marketing perspective because people are getting further and further away from what people actually need and want to hear, right? And I think the best of both worlds is opening that door with some marketing-based stuff and then fulfilling on the science-based strategies that are going to get them results. But I think the biggest thing that's holding people back, especially coaches with a more established education background is that they, they don't understand what their clients want, which is different. We talk about toning, we talk about, you know, um, motivation, your clients think that they want, they, they want to tone and want to look a certain way. And they feel like a lot of times what's holding them back is that they have no motivation. And if you try to convince them that you don't actually need motivation, you've already lost them. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And you're right. I think we look at it from our perspective And some of us who have been training and working out personal trainers, let's say every day, we're looking at Mm -hmm. things totally differently. We enjoy exercise too, right? We look forward to it. I talk about this all the time. I wake up in the morning. I didn't get to work out today. If I would have run in the morning, like I planned to, things got in the way, I would have felt better now, right? So Mm -hmm. I was, I'm angry that I couldn't work out where vice versa, you have clients who, who are dreading it, who hate exercise. And then same thing in the nutrition industry, you have people like Mark... At, he can't wait to eat this proper meal that he planned for himself, that he went to the grocery store on Sunday, prepared this great meal, where you have somebody else on the other end of the spectrum who's dreading having to eat that salad because because they want to eat the burger. And, and we have to put ourselves back into that place and say, they haven't got past that point where this is enjoyable yet. And I have to explain that to them, that, that it becomes enjoyable. I, I actually enjoy eating vegetables. I actually, if I go a weekend without eating 30 grams of fiber, I feel like a disaster. I don't know if you're using an example, Steve, but am I talking to like cranky Steve today or did you actually, you did train this morning? No, you're talking to cranky Steve today. Yeah. So crank, Steve was planning on running this morning and a client was a half hour late to an appointment and uh, Steve didn't get his run in. So Steve is going to be a little bit cranky. That's fine. It's still, it's a pretty good Steve still, all things considered. Yeah. I'm not like, yeah. Um, yeah. I like this. Steve. I think that's the biggest thing is that, yeah, I, I, I enjoy exercise. I like doing these things. I would be doing this stuff with or without a business or any of that stuff. I truly enjoy it. And the people that we're trying to help and reach aren't the same way. And it's finding ways by actively listening and exploring how they feel and what they want to accomplish where we can most effectively reach them. And I think that is overlooked time and time again, is that these people that are, have a hard time acquiring clients, be it now they're on their own or they're doing their own thing. It's different. Like if you're in a corporate big box gym environment where maybe leads come to you and you got to be a really good salesperson, um, that's different, but the people are around you in this sense to attract them using social media, we just got to get a better sense of what they want and what they want to accomplish. Yeah. I find that people also don't like to be salesy. I am one of them. And I know that you talk a little bit about this, like how to get around that. I feel that you know, the one thing that I say to, to young personal trainers who say like, I'm, I'm being salesy is someone's coming to you or wants to come to you for you to solve a problem for them. You're not necessarily a salesman. You're a fixer. You're, you're trying to fix this problem. You're just giving a little bit of information, letting them know that you can fix their problem. You got to, you're, you're bang on. You got to shift that mindset from selling to helping and you're no longer like if you don't talk about how you can help them in be it like a sales way or whatever, they're never going to that opportunity to work with you. And chances are their lives won't improve. I don't know. Sometimes it's just like tricks to think about what do I need to do to take these steps to become a little bit more 
salesy, whatever it is, to get that feedback loop that, you know, this is working and this is helpful and I'm going to help more people. Because if people don't know about me, I'm never going to be able to help people, right? I think that is what's getting, you know, in the way of a lot of personal trainers and nutrition coaches helping more people is that no one wants to be the best fitness professional that no one knows about. (laughs) And to do that, like you need to focus more on these marketing skills, which is communicating how you help and these sales skills, which is taking people from interested and turning them into, you know, paying clients so that you can truly help them in the best way possible. I've never had anyone ever come to me and say, Mark, you posted that recipe and it completely changed my life. It's like, no, (laughs) it happens through them working with me for three to six, nine months where we truly can remove the barriers for what's, you know, getting in the way of their health. Um, and only the only way I can do that is, is selling them into something that's going to help them do that. Yeah, it's essentially a, a job application. That's all you're doing, right? In a way, you can rephrase it. Like, I'm just, I'm sending in my resume and this is my resume. This is how I can help you. And you don't mm-hmm. see your resume as salesy. You see your resume as describing who you are, what you can potentially be for the company. That's all it is. It's just your your marketing pitch is your resume for individual potential customers. Completely. And I think... Um... It's just an opportunity. It's just an opportunity to talk about how we help and what we do. I also, I don't know, I I come from a place where I did not like talking about myself. I did not like selling anything. I think I like the outcome of selling, but the process of it was really, really daunting um, in terms of like, how do I go through it or that? I think one of the things that I've done to overcome it is that I really got to trick myself into thinking, if I don't do this, someone else, much worse than me, with less education, less passion, much less equipped to help this person is going to do it. So why wouldn't it be me? Touche. Yeah. And I mean, that's not really a trick. You're not lying because that, that is the case more likely than not is somebody else who might have a slightly better sales pitch, but less Mm -hmm. actionable skills to help the client is going to reel them in, which then leads the client down this never ending cycle of then finding somebody else who might also have really good sales, but can't actionably help them. And you could have got them two months earlier and had them on the right path. Completely. And I think you owe it to them to be able to show up in the best way possible and improve what you're doing as a professional so that you can help more people. So I moved a bunch of times uh, since I've started personal training. I've been personal training uh, probably 11 years now, and I ha- I've had to move. Just life takes you in different directions. Before the virtual training thing got big, you would just lose your clients typically. It's like, well, I will give you off to these other random trainers who are here, who I trust, and then you move on and try to build your business again. Now we have virtual training. That's a little bit different. And you know, I had clients who had come back to me retroactively after I had moved, let's say even two locations, five, six, seven years later, just shot me an email and said things like, Hey, I was working with a personal trainer, didn't really enjoy him or her. I was wondering if you had some time, maybe we can do this virtually. I had never even thought to reach out to those clients. I've never thought like, oh yeah, I used to work with them. Like maybe they would still want to work with me. My initial thought was, eh, you know, if I'm online, I'm only maybe 80% of who I am. I can't give 100% of what I would normally did in a virtual personal training session. I don't have the equipment. I can't see them up front. I can't see them in a 360 view. So why would I want to do that? But just like what we're talking about now, it's not up to me. It's up to them. If they feel more comfortable working with me virtually than working with someone else, well, then that's what they want. And I feel like, and and this is what this leads into a question. It's not just me ranting here, that people do struggle to look back and say, who have I worked with in the past who maybe we had some weird break in the chain because I moved or they moved or they were having a tough time in life or there was a financial thing going on and they just don't reach out to those people. Why is that? It's such a good, really good insight and good question. And I think there's two things here. Number one, I think the one lesson is that we can't assume what people want. I think when we do that, we just, we shoot ourselves in the foot almost immediately. Be it like another thing, we can talk about industry faux pas and stuff, but I I like, I talk probably more about this on the back end of my coaching process and not as publicly as I should, but there's, there's, I have clients that pay me monthly that don't check in, that don't like, they don't follow up. And yeah, I think industry wise, if I was to listen to everyone else, they'd say, you can't take their money. They're not, you're not using their service. They're not doing that kind of stuff. It's like, well, first of all, I have no idea where this person's coming from. Maybe them paying me is their attempts to improve their health. It is what it is. 
if it's not me, someone else is going to take their money. And like, it, it's a thing. It's a thing. And I think we got to think about like, what, like, I can't assume why this person isn't doing this. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to cross, you know, um, you know, my T's and dot my I's and make sure that like, if there's an opportunity for me to help them in some capacity, I will. But in other senses, it's like, they're going to do things the way that they need to do them. And it's not up to me to decide when it's time for them to finish when it's time for, if, if they're being a bad client for whatever reason, that's a different story, but we can't assume why people are doing things. And I think, think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, we got to get drill that into our, into our minds. The next yeah. thing is that if we think about from a business perspective, anyone watches like sharks tank, I'm in Canada, we have dragons in, um, if you think about business and the cost of doing business, the cost of acquiring a new customer is always going to be one of the most expensive things in your business, both from financially and an energy perspective, right? The cost of acquisition of a customer is really, really tough because you got to get in front of new people. You got to teach them about what you do and why you're the person that will help them and work them all the way up this awareness ladder. So they see you as the solution. That's an expensive time consuming process that takes a lot of energy. When you have someone that already trusts you, you've already built in all of that through time. There's people that have worked with Steve in the past that already know Steve as the solution for their, you know, their training problems, where they want to go, the, you know, the problems that they want to solve. They already know you that person. And for whatever reason, be it circumstance or whatever it is, they stopped working with you, but they still in their minds, if that wasn't the case, would be working with you, would still be benefiting from that service. We just need to remind them of that. And in the past, you're like, oh, well, I didn't have online potential or an opportunity there and I couldn't do it, but now you do. And we can reach out to those people because we've already baked in all of that trust, all of that authority, and they're going to be willing to work with us because they've already done it and they know how that experience. So that's always an easier process than finding brand new people. Yeah, so many great points there to hit on. And uh, I'm going to go in a little bit different direction and come back to what you just said. But the first thing I thought of too is, you know, with a program like yours, creating awareness also works sort of like horizontally, meaning uh, people underneath Mark also get his brand awareness, which is really great. So sometimes partnering with other people or being underneath the guise of something else helps build that awareness, right? So it could, could be a certification, could be whatever your learning is, right? If I have a degree from Yale, I'm automatically, that awareness level, sort of that trust level is higher because mm-hmm. I have that individual thing. But, you know, that, that like we just talked about, though, also, you need to still build that personable connection. They still need to know who you are. And if you've already done that hard client acquisition awareness, both financially and from your energy and efforts on the front end, why do you want to pass that up? You basically, if you're talking one to a hundred, one being you put in no effort, a hundred mean you're putting everything in. You have all of these like clients sitting around in your emails who you already are at like 70 or 80% with. You just got to fill that extra 20. It's so much mm-hmm. easier than going out and getting new clients, but people don't want to do it and people are afraid. I've had a lot of clients also, like you said, who came to me once a week for an hour. They ate like shit, they were drinking, they weren't doing the right things, but guess what? They only want to work out once a week for an hour. Maybe that's what their finances are. Maybe that makes them feel good in this moment. If it's not me, it's somebody else. So yes, are you losing, Are you? Are you, is your goal to lose weight there? No, it's not, but I, I'm not your mother either, right? I'm not your husband or wife. I'm just your one hour a week personal trainer. And for that hour, I am providing my high level energy and effort and my sort of crystallized knowledge over time, and I'm helping you do whatever you have to do. And it's going to be better, in my opinion, than somebody else's one hour. And that's that's all we can do. We can't solve everybody's problems. We need to make a living. Completely, completely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you don't, if you don't take that step and treat it as is, like you're never going to, like who knows where that could go as well as like that may be all they need and all they want and all that is there. Like we can't, we can't, put what we want onto people so much that it like turns them away from the process and our, our business will suffer because of it. Do you want to get, um, you want to get strategic around existing people, like people you worked with in the past? I have something that I've been using lately to great success. It's called, you don't want to show up to a party empty handed, right? You don't want to just show up to as an invited guest, um, 
with nothing to offer someone. When you have someone you've already worked with, you've baked in all this trust, they're probably going to be willing to work with you in the past. Number one, you just need to be present and be top of mind. So reach out to them, but just don't reach out to them thinking like, Hey, I thought maybe you'd want to go like get back on personal training. You know, you know, let's do it. That's not going to work. What you want to do is number one, remember a little bit about them personally. Remember a little bit about what they were trying to accomplish because you can know everything about their entire family, but the most important thing to them and your relationship was that thing that they wanted to accomplish. The result is super, super specific. So take notes when you work with clients, have records, that kind of thing, because it's like literally, it's your leverage, it's your ammo. Um, And when you reach out to them, exchange pleasantries, but also give them something. I was, Steve, I was just thinking about our time together and I know you wanted to gain some muscle. Um, and we did such a good job of, you know, accomplishing that, but you wanted to push things even further. I just created a brand new like training template that, you know, based on your experience and our time working together, I know would be really, really, um, helpful for you. So I just wanted to pass it along like hope all as well. Like you could even leave it there. Talk about, you know, like just re-engage them in a conversation, give them something and they will reach back out to you and be like, you know, things got kind of off track here. I like, tell me a little bit more about what you're up to and maybe how you could help me. Like that will happen nine out of 10 times, but you don't want to just reach out randomly without something to offer them without being personal and without something to give is the biggest thing. Yeah, that's great information. I think people too are hesitant to talk with other professionals like you and I are talking about, I'm just going to term it client drop-off. Like client drop-off happens. People just go ghost, whether it's finances or they know deep inside that they're not completing the program. So they feel embarrassed about maybe not Mm -hmm. making progress. They're not blaming you. They feel embarrassed, right? So there's a host Mm -hmm. of reasons we can't assume, like Mark said, that these clients dropped off. So it's always good to extend that olive branch and say, hey, Tom, I remember your goal was to get from 185 down to 170, but you'd sprained your ankle and we couldn't really get there at the time because you weren't able to do any sort of cardio because of the ankle issue. Just wondering how the ankle is, how the wife is. Uh, By the way, I'm virtual training. So if you'd ever like to start back up, I can send you my schedule, hope all is well. You're going to typically get these people. And I think people are hesitant to do it. Maybe on both sides, I really feel like it's a psychology thing where you blame yourself for the loss of the client. So you push it out of your head. I don't want to think about it. I fucked up. Mm-hmm. And they think that they screwed the relationship up because they weren't keeping up with their end of the bargain. And and you both just part ways. Wherein, no, this is just how, the, how it goes. There's an ebb and a flow. You try to quit cigarettes. You try to get on a really good diet, you're going to fail. You're going you're gonna to take some downturns and then you got to get back on the horse, as they say. Completely. I think in the, and I, this is so good and such a good conversation. I think it's important to have openly is that number one, nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with you. It's, it's financial. It's, they're not in the right place to be able to do on the things that they need to do. And I think good coaching as opposed to training, good coaching will find a way to make that work, but that's probably a conversation for a different time, but it's usually never about you. Um, it, it really, really isn't. I think there's also this kind of industry myth that when you work with someone over a set period of time and you release them into the wild, they should be set for life. You've given them everything that they need to know. They know absolutely everything they need to do. They're in this good place. Maybe that's a bit more pervasive in nutrition than it is training, but you've, you've completely set them up for success for the rest of their life and they should be able to execute on that forever. We need to take a step back and remember the reason why 90% of the reason why this stuff works is accountability and expert guidance. Like it's, it's not the education and the habits. It's the fact that someone signs up to work with you and there's some element of you being a taskmaster involved in it. There absolutely is. And we can't get around that. It's like, you know, you put uh, like a pot on the stove and it, it boils when you put it under heat. If you take it off the heat, it doesn't continue to boil. It stops. There's like, you know, there's that element of that when we work with someone. So, With that being said, there's going to be, you can't fix people forever and people are willing and sometimes will come back to you. And that doesn't mean that you've failed them. It just means that maybe there's a new goal to go after. Maybe their situation's changed and maybe they just need accountability and guidance. I've had people work with me for like seven years straight. We don't focus on much different, but they just appreciate having someone to talk to, someone to set them like on the right path, someone to hold them accountable to what they need to be doing. And it works. And that is one of the biggest reasons why this stuff works is that yes, there's the accountability piece and you don't need to think about, you don't have to have all the way to the world trying to fix someone and 
set them on their way and think that they're fixed and then it's all gonna be done. It doesn't work that way. I'll add a third interconnected piece. A mutual friend of ours who was just on the podcast, Daniel DeBrock, was talking about how coaching also, there's a layer of psychology wherein if you trust the coach as a person, you're way more likely to reach your goals regardless of the science, but specifically because of the psychology, right? So you have this sort of, you know, mind-body connection, woo-woo stuff going on where if you do trust the process, you trust your coach, you go through these things, you're more likely to get to your goals because it's it's sort of that, it's that positive placebo. You're like, mm-hmm. I trust Mark. He's giving me good information. I'm going to go ahead and do this. So it's not, it's of course it's the science. Of course it's the accountability, but it's also trusting somebody and having having that plan in place from from a from the trusted professional that really gets these people you know going and then also what you just talked about I want to add to last, lastly here before I throw it back to you but I had a client who was in the medical field very high level medical professional was in control of everything every single day had to oversee a lot of shit she wanted to come in and turn her brain off she didn't want to think that's why she paid me she knew what she was doing she could work out on her own. She enjoyed working out. She just wanted to turn her brain off. She didn't want to think, how many reps did I just do? Should I do legs today? Should I do arms today? She wanted me to point and tell her what to do. And guess what? Who cares? That's great if that's what she wants, right? Everyone's working out for different reasons. It's not my job to, to tell her, hey, listen, you know what you're doing. You don't need me. You're in great shape. No, if this is what she wants to pay me for, I'm going to allow her to use her money in whatever way she wants to. And it's a win-win for both of us. Completely. Yeah, no, that's a, a really, really good point. And I think we just, again, we just can't assume what people want. And and I think that person would continue to go to you for a long time for that benefit. That's really, really only important to them. That's the same reason why, like I, one of the reasons why CrossFit got so popular is because you went into a workout and you knew you were going to work out with everyone else doing the same movements. You didn't have to think about what you needed to do. You could just literally execute, like obviously tons of pros and cons, but like, that's why people liked it right? They'd go in, they would do their workout, it would be done, that type of thing. So yeah, it's like, I think the biggest thing is that we just can't assume this, what, what people want. Let's talk a little bit about families. Uh, I currently train my older sister. There was a point in which uh, adding to this uh, miscommunication or lack of communication that we're talking about, she always thought I was too busy to work with her. And uh, I just never thought like, why would I reach out to my family? That's kind of weird. And now we work out together. It's enjoyable. We get to catch up while we're talking via Zoom and uh, she gets a good workout in and it's it's a win-win. She works from home. So it just, it works out great. I feel like people are hesitant sometimes to reach out to family members or family only want maybe free information or it's just, it gets to be this like weird, awkward situation. How do you get around that with your clients and what are some tips maybe that you can give personal trainers or nutrition professionals? Well, I, I do work with a lot of in the online space, again, we talked about kind of like you need to find people <clears throat> through the social media content that you put out, that type of thing. Like you're not going to have a bunch of leads coming from you. And I think that's probably a misconception when people go online is that like they think they'll just show up online and people will come to them and it'll work out in some capacity it does. But in a lot of times you need to do the right things to put yourself out there. A lot of the beginners I work with, though, they need to tap into their social network at the beginning. Like they don't have any social credit built up in the training or the nutrition sphere. So they need to like tap on shoulders, put themselves out there and benefit from the people that are already in their social circle that see them as the person that's going to help them because those people exist. If you watch what you eat and have lived a healthy lifestyle, there's already people that are looking to you for guidance and help. You just need to put it out there that you could help them. The flip side is that family and friends and people, coworkers, people you know in a personal capacity, it can be tougher. It can be, you're already top of mind of the person that can help them, but it can be tougher to coach them and train them because there is that personal relationship. And I think setting expectations around the beginning is that I know you, I love you. We have this personal relationship, but in order for this to work, we've got to put this aside for the next hour or for when we're doing check-ins or for whatever it is in order for this to work. And that means I treat you in the exact same way I would treat any other client. And that doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, any less pleasant. And if anything, for some of your friends and family, it can be, I'll be actually more pleasant. Um, But for in order for this to work, it's like, we got to treat this in the exact same way. It's got to be professional. I can't make exceptions. I got to ask the exact same thing of you that I would anyone else. And that goes 
both ways is that like we need to treat this seriously and a lot of times that means you pay the exact same that anyone else would pay because those who pay pay attention and you can't feel like you're getting any sort of discount or anything like that i saw like you see those kind of like I don't know if they're memes or just like, you know, quick quotes where it's like someone will pay an influencer that they have no idea who they are full price, but small businesses of people in your own community, you don't want to pay, you're asking for a discount. It's like, it couldn't be any more true. Like I read that stuff and I'm like, oh, like that's so obvious, but it's like, it's completely true. And it's crazy how that works, but it's like, they need to pay full price. You need to trade it in the exact same way and you need to create that environment that is completely professional in order for it to work. And when you do that and you set those expectations at the beginning, it works pretty, pretty well. Like it, it, it can, it can work. Yeah, that's great information. I want to comment on two parts of that. The first is I think sometimes why people don't want to, who are close in your network, um, I won't say family members, but maybe like second level friends don't want to pay for your services. There's a level of like what's called schadenfreude in, in German. That means like, I kind of want to see you fail um, from other people around you. If they see you doing maybe kind of well and they're like, well, we grew up in the same town and I thought I was going to do this too. And then I didn't do well. So like maybe those aren't always the best people to reach out to like the second level people, right? That's why they're not paying you because they're jealous and they don't, they don't want to see you shine. But um, going back to what you said uh, first, I think it's such a great point that if you like think about like people in your life who do something else really well and how much you would love to just like pick their brain about it. Like maybe you just know somebody you're like, he's so good with finances. Like, I don't even know how he drives this car and has this house. And like, he's got these three real estate projects and he has all these things going on and he didn't come from money. Like maybe I just should like grab coffee with him and feel like, and just like sit down and be like, how do you do this stuff? Or whatever it is, right? Somebody who's like a great golfer that you know, you're like, mm, I just kind of wanted to be like, hey, I'll buy you dinner. Can you just like show me how to chip properly? Well, let's just do a 30 minute chipping session. That's the same thing in fitness. Like somebody sees you and be like, this this guy's in really good shape. And like I, and he's always eating healthy at lunch. Like maybe I should just find a way to get into a conversation with him. And maybe they're not a lifelong client. Maybe they just want to meet with you once or twice and pay you to set them up a plan or something and check in with you from time to time. That's fine. That's why you have different levels of, of like sort of payment processes with people. And maybe you can talk about that because I think we weren't planning on that, but personal trainers don't typically have that. It's a, it's a kind of a problem in the industry. They're trying to figure out it's such a wild west. It's like, do I sign a year long contract with a client? Do I do session by session? Do I do 10 sessions? If I do 10 sessions, like, do I charge less? Do I charge more? Like, like if you started to just go into a crazy direction with this, but do you have like a, like a limitation on what you would offer a client? If a client came to you and said, Hey, listen, I'm not willing to work with you for a year, Mark, but you know, I'm willing to pay you $500 to meet with me five times and just like audit my diet. Would you do that? Mm -hmm. No, I wouldn't. And the reason is because, and I think a lot of times people are always going to want the cheapest option. They're always going to want the most inexpensive thing. I think you just need to frame out that conversation around why it's in their best interest that they do it the exact same way anyone else would, which is mm -hmm. I can, I can give you those five sessions, Steve, like we can do that. And we, by all means could set that up, but here's what I see you need. And here's the path for you to get to your result. And let me show you how we're going to achieve it. And it, it go, it goes through in my case, it's like one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, but you got to kind of just like, got to like shift it that way because you know in your heart that those five sessions are only going to do so much. Like by all means, if that's what they want, we're not going to convince them otherwise, but I think you just, they need to be led, people need to be led and they need to be led at the direction around this is the best, best option and why. And you can do a good job of that if you also show them why it's the path to their result and why maybe that didn't work in the past because this is a tendency they have just to try to like throw a little bit of money at something to fix it when in reality they need this other thing. So that's the first thing I would do. The other talking to the other point around, well, you know, I got a golfer, a golfer friend that who's really, really good at chipping. Um, like maybe the, the, you know, the, the pro golfer reaches out to like to someone, I think what we want to do from the beginning is like try to get people just to raise their hands that they'd be interested in the thing that we have. So, you know, on social media saying like, you guys know I'm interested in nutrition and fitness and I've been taking on clients. I actually have availability for a couple of people that want to lose, you know, 10 pounds before Thanksgiving. Like if this sounds like, you know, something that you want, just send me a message and we'll chat. Getting people to raise their hands so we can start a conversation is always going to be more effective that for the, as opposed to us reaching out to people. Right. Gotcha. We think about like, we talked about 
we're going full circle today. We talked about the click funnel bros and the marketing bros and the MLM people, which are now just they message everyone, right? Everyone on their friends list. Like, do you want this thing? I have no idea if you want this, this, this serum, but I'm going to sell it to you anyway, kind of thing. I think it's just like, Hey, if you love glowing radiant skin, um, I got something you might be interested in. People are like, yeah, like let's talk about it. Just starting a conversation around that stuff. And there's I think the next thing. There's a psychology behind that too, right? Because if I reach out to you, then I know that I'm invested because it doesn't seem salesy, right? So I'm actually, I'm saying, hey, Mark, solve my problem. I'm doing the work. Yeah. We're just getting people to raise their hands that they want the thing that we could potentially help them with, right? And then we can start a conversation. So in that situation around, you know, we were just talking earlier about I'm fixing up an Airbnb and I had a carpenter over who also happens to be a personal friend. I like any opportunity I have to chat with him and talk about things that I can fix things and he can take me under the, his wing. Absolutely. I'm going to do it at the same time. I'm still going to pay him because it's the most effective way for both of our time and me to watch and observe and all that stuff. I think the next thing that's important is that we have a conversation around, you know, well, I know you want to accomplish this, let me, why don't we talk about what that would look like and show them the path moving forward. And therefore they are now pre-sold on coaching because you've showed them exactly what you're going to do and why you've kind of baked into certainty around they're going to get this certain result. So we just got to have a process in place where it's like, number one, get people raising their hands. Number two, have a conversation around, here's what that would look like. Let's talk a little bit more about what a coaching relationship would look like so that you can get this result. Um, and then from there, it's like, those are the people from our social circle that are now invested, bought in and want to work with us in a professional capacity. Yeah. And you know, the best part about all this is it's not nonsense. You're not lying, right? You're, you're telling the truth. I'm not, I'm not just trying to reel you in and saying, Hey, I'm not going to just allow you to do three sessions because I'm making less money over the course of the year. We're, you're really just not going to get to your goal. So it's different if they come back and say, you know what, I'm sorry, just don't have the time. If it's not you, it's somebody else. I have $300. I'm willing to do three sessions with you. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. Like if they come back with a strong rebuttal, fine. Then you have to change it. But cool. it is, like you said, it's it's in our best interest. It's in their best interest to make sure we at least pitch. Hey, listen, I get that I can just watch you chip the ball, you know, once or twice or three times. We can go through the process and give you tips. But really unless I'm there with you for the first year, it's not going to take, there's just too many repetitions and there's too much going on, too much movement, too much for me to teach. I just can't show you a video. I can't send you a few things. I've done this a lot. I've helped 30 different people with this one way that I'm doing it. And this is, this is like where I back myself from both a scientific standpoint and from a coaching standpoint. And that's all you can do. If the, if the rebuttal is, Hey, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, then, then, then you go down that road. Completely. And I think it's just talking about like, again, why do you want to fix your short game, right? It's like, well, we've identified this as like, <clears throat> for you to get to this next level in your golfing, this is what you're going to need to fix. And we can take those three sessions and I can teach you some things and it might be helpful, but I know the game changer for you is going to be spending a bit more time under a watchful eye. So you get this fix and <clears throat> in six months, you're going to be a completely different golfer. That's the path I think you should go down. Well, let's talk about what that would look like. Are you somebody who talks about where <coughs> where people spend money and why it could be spent better? Do you think it shouldn't ever really get to that conversation? I know that some people kind of pitch that as far as like sales and marketing, meaning like, oh, well, you know, how much money do you spend on your phone bill? And how much money do you spend each week when you, uh, you know, buy that extra beer? Do, do you ever go down that path? Do you think that's cheesy and not needed? What, what are your thoughts on that? I think, okay, if we talk about this marketing and sales thing, I wouldn't use that in a marketing approach to get people interested because people are going to spend their money however they want to spend it. And if anything, if someone wants to buy a brand new iPhone, <clears throat> but they won't pay for my training, it's because I haven't positioned it as being valuable enough. And I'm just sure. not going to convince them. If we want to stick with the golf analogy, like you convincing those people, like you're way out of bounds trying to hit 150 yards behind a tree, convincing people that this is the right move for them. What we got to do is again, with some of the hand raising, it's just get people that are already interested that are going to be tap-ins, right? Like that's what we need to like put ourselves out there for because all that energy that we spent convincing people that aren't going to be good clients anyway could be spent identifying and finding and nurturing relationships with people that are just so much closer anyway. Like you're not that, like it's not good. Now, 
The flip side is once I sit down with someone, be it, it's funny, sit down with someone. Once I started corresponding online with someone in a conversation around this and they say, well, you know, I'm just not sure about the value here, that type of thing. I want to always have something in place that shows I have the path to results and why it's valuable, as well as that's when I start to overcome some of these objections where it's like cost and value and all that kind of stuff. Cause they're going to come up right near the end when someone's deciding, should I go down this path? So that's when you start to work in that type of stuff. I don't know if I'd start compare things in their budget. Cause that's, I don't really feel like that's our place slash. I don't think it's that effective, but when I talk about where they want to go, why they haven't been able to achieve it in the past and how good it would make them feel if they're finally able to achieve it, that cost around that thing becomes much less of a barrier for them to do it. Because like, how good would it feel if you were able to lose, you know, 30 pounds in the next year and you showed up at your son's wedding next summer feeling your complete best? That would feel pretty good. It's like, it's probably worth this investment, is it not? It is. Yeah. Good information. This has been great practical information so far on the marketing and the sales. Now we're going to continue that, but I'm going to ask more specific questions around what clients will typically ask someone like you or someone like me. And maybe this has a little bit more science, but maybe it doesn't. I don't know how you're going to respond because again, Mark has to respond to these questions as a nutrition coach to me, who is not Steve. I am not Steve in this case. I am the general population. So how Mark would respond to me in this question is different than how we respond to the general population. Clients ask this all the time. I'm sure they ask it to you. How do you respond to them? Not how, not how you respond to me. Is fruit bad for me? That's what the client asks you when they sit down and they're going over their sort of diet regimen. They're talking about food. How do you respond to them? It's a great question. I think that the biggest thing I with frequently asked questions and questions that people ask, <clears throat> I think it's always an opportunity to number one, obviously answer the question. We're not going to disregard it entirely, but it's always an opportunity to clarify what's most important in this process. Uh-huh. So I, I always bring it back to like, you know, either if things aren't going well and they're worried about something that is kind of minute, not a big influencer in their process, always bring it back to the thing that matters most. So it's like, that's such a good question. I know there's a lot of buzz around like, should you be eating fruit? And is there too much sugar? Because it does have sugar in it. Absolutely. I, I think it's like one of those things where it's like, for the amount of activity you're doing and your goals, and we've set you up on this plan, there's no reason why you can't consume fruit. It's not inherently fattening. Um, you're controlling the things right now that are going to allow you to reach your body composition goals. And those specific foods within that aren't going to matter as much as you sticking to those overall food levels that we prescribed. Now, within that, um, fruit, one of the best things that you can do to consume um, based on your carb allotment. And I would encourage you to do it probably around like two to three servings per day. Um, You don't need to be worried about this. The science within it is that like you've probably been led to believe that you consume some sugar, it's going to spike your insulin, and you're going to store fat. Keep in mind the amount of food that you're you're eating, and if you stick to that, there's no possible way you'll gain fat because it's been scientifically designed by me for you to be in a deficit or that kind of thing. So it's like bringing them back to their goals and then also doing that like about it. So it's like I would kind of like, bake it into number one, clarifying why their question's important, why it doesn't really matter because a lot of times the question is so minute that it like, it's not a huge influencer on things, but also making them not feel like it's like they put an energy to ask you this question. And it's clearly important to them. Um, but also baking a little bit of science around, Hey, this whole insulin thing that you've probably heard a little bit about, here's why it's not as important as you doing the thing that you're currently doing and sticking to that. I love that answer. And I love how you said specifically, yes, you want to answer the question. You don't want to make the client feel as if they asked a dumb question or that you're trying to avoid it. But it's also important to, t- to somehow bake it in that ultimately we have a goal in mind. And this is sort of a minute question that, that doesn't really affect our goal that much. And I can't think of the perfect fitness analogy, but sometimes I have small things where clients are like, well, we're doing pull-ups. How come we're doing this grip instead of that grip? It's like, well, you know, okay, maybe I'm recruiting bicep a little bit more if I'm going sort of supinated underneath grip. But ultimately, like, we're, ju- we're just trying to work on your back muscles. That's really what we're doing here. And if, you know, this is the grip we want to use because it's a little bit easier for you, it's not a big deal, right? We're not, we're not, that's, if your goal was to do four pull-ups, we're going to get you there this way. Don't, don't necessarily worry about the grip right now, but I will still explain it to you so that 
you know that I'm the professional. I know what's going on and that it's not a dumb question, but, but here's our, here's our sort of macro goal. And we need to zoom back out and, and look at that and, and trust that this is what we're doing in the process. And then I think the biggest thing is <clears throat> if it's an existing client that's asking those questions, I think it's always our opportunity to clarify. This is why this isn't important because you haven't been able to execute on this consistently and you really got to put all your energy in here into this thing and focus on this and only this. It's like fruit or not, like you're, you're just, you're still not doing this. So, so keep that in mind. If it's a, a client that, you know, a new client, potential lead, that type of thing, I think it's just our opportunity to answer that question as well as gain a little bit more insight around what they want to accomplish so that we can lead the path to, like just show them the path to a result. Yeah, and sometimes it's because those questions are trying to figure out something where we already have the answer to it. Meaning like the client might say something like, oh, is fruit bad for me? Because they think maybe they ate more fruit last week than usual and they haven't met their goal. And you're like, no, the reason you didn't meet your goal is because of X, Y, and Z. It's not because of the extra fruit, right? So that's why sometimes I'll have clients come to me and be like, oh, I saw like this exercise. Do you think we should be like deadlifting this way or doing this and that because they didn't get the number they wanted to last week? It's like, no, you didn't get the number you wanted to last week. So you want to you want to shift course here and, and like find a blame game. But there are other reasons. And let's 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 go back to your plan and see what we're, what criteria we're not meeting. I think with a lot of these questions, people are asking just as much for permission as they are for actual insight. So mm. when someone comes to me as a powerlifting coach and says, should I cut weight for my first powerlifting meet? In reality, what they're asking is like, is I'm it okay? It. Yeah, exactly. And as someone that is like, I don't know, I, I try to be risk adverse. It's like, I, if you're going to do this, I'd rather you do it under my supervision with evidence-based practices and me to guide you down it because you're going to do it regardless with or without me. And ultimately it's not your decision. Of course, if it's a terrible idea, I'll tell you that this isn't the right fit kind of thing. But in most cases, people are going to do it with or without you. And they're really just, should I take the supplement? Isn't tell me about the evidence surrounding the supplement. It's like, should I continue taking this? <laughs> Yeah, I've been taking this for a month, and uh, I just want to hear what you say. And exactly. outside of you, like, outside of you should saying, I, should like, I take BCAAs? Right? It's not like I'm going to the store right now to buy these. It's I'm like <laughs> mid scoop. Yeah, it's like when yeah. you ask your wife, you're like, "What do you think about uh, me buying a new car?" It's like you've already contacted the guy at the car dealership, and like mm -hmm. you've you've basically done everything else except uh, sign the final paperwork. Just want to mm -hmm. hear what she's going to say. Uh, not that I would do that, but you know, for for those who would. Um, wouldn't put wouldn't put but you passed you cranky steve <laughs> cranky steve you never know what he's going to be up to uh -huh. um so the next question clients ask all the time i've had a whole i had a really good conversation with chris scott who's a friend of mine about alcohol how it affects workouts how it affects diets how it affects our body but inevitably most people drink most people are going to continue to drink outside of mark working with let's say a high-level athlete who's willing to give it all up, people are just not willing to give up that glass of wine or two or the few beers with their friends on the weekends. So uh, what what we say, and from a very general basis, and I, I imagine that you're just going to piggyback on this, but maybe you have more specifics, is that, hey, listen, if you want to continue to drink, that's fine, but it's going to slow down the progress in getting to our goals. Is that what you tell clients who ask or do you, do you kind of go into more maybe science-based alcohol related things? Yeah. And I, I probably would be even like a bit more like pro booze than that. Um, just from the sense of like, I think these people, again, that are asking this do want to have a few beverages and that type of thing. I think once we're in a paid coaching relationship, again, this isn't something that I probably talk about as much in marketing. Um, but in a paid coaching relationship, this is it's, this is all pros and cons. There's there's drawbacks to everything, and there's compromises to all of this stuff. And if you're willing to make those compromises, which in your case is you know you drink too much and it starts to impact your training and recovery, it is going to take a longer time to get to your goal, or things are going to be suboptimal. And if if you're willing to have that trade off, by all means, continue on. I just wanted to be upfront about that because at a certain level, it will impact things. Now. If you want to socially drink, here's some strategies you can use to work one to two drinks in with minimal impact to your fitness as well as your body composition, um, which I think as an adult, you know, we should be able to do those things and work that stuff in. I think the biggest thing is if, if, if this is someone that wants to drink and you're not going to give them those strategies, it's going to be them assuming that you don't, that it's drinking is off limits and that'll just have the exact opposite effect that you want it to, which is 
I did a bad thing. I'm going to continue to drink. It's going to get worse. And then I'm really, you know, the trust isn't there. It's going to be a huge setback. It's things are going to be worse. I'd rather just be upfront with it and have the strategies in place. And that's where, you know, in a paid coaching relationship, asking questions around, Hey, what's coming up this week? What do we got to plan for? is always going to be easier to get in front of things and have, you know, an adult conversation around what that looks like so that you can get on the same page. I think what you do is probably harder than what I do in most instances, but I do think this uh, particular instance is harder on my end. So what I'll say is why I say that is the, what I have to plan for with my clients is I don't want you coming in after a night of drinking because then that that sort of that ruins our that our work together. So that's why the conversation gets it harder. It's like, hey, if your goal is to have a really good workout, you know what? If you if you're out drinking all night, like you know, a bender kind of deal, not having two glasses of wine. Like if you want to have a bender, because I would have clients who were like, I was drinking whiskey to like two in the morning, and they come in for like a six a.m. session. It's like, well, you're useless right now. You're wasting your money. You're wasting my time, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just not good for anybody. So you need to make sure that have your fun sleep it off, do your thing. We'll meet the next day. Like exactly. I want, I, I need you when you're optimal so we can push your body to the level I need to push you to. There's no point of having me for a half hour of you just sludging around here. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, it's definitely like impeding your work together. So that's a conversation that needs to be had as well as kind of bordering on probably disrespectful more than anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just like kind of getting in front of that step. But I think at the same time, it's just having those opportunities to ask those questions about like, Hey, What's important to you here? What are the non-negotiables? What does that look like? And what are you willing to risk? Because, you know, there's always trade-offs with any of these things um, and kind of going from there. So, you know, one of the the conflicting, one of the uh, conflicting goals here is that people want more muscle while they're losing weight, right? Everyone says, I want to tone up. I want to look really cut and lean and I want to gain muscle. And I also want to lose 15 pounds. That's, that's something that clients come to you. How do you sort of go through the process of explaining conflicting goals and, and what is your, what is your process and maybe trying to either coax them one way or the other, or just explain to them that this is going to be very unlikely for us to do. I think actually even the science around like, can you do both at the same time is catching up a little bit. I think for sure, if you want meaningful results, when it comes to body composition, you should go in one direction or the other. It doesn't need to be extreme, but you need to be investing your energy, your eating, and you know, like the environment to either gain muscle or lose fat, or just stay the same. If you stay the same and slowly try to recomp, the meaningful results are just gonna be much less in either direction, right? We don't see them as, as often. It's just like very, very slow and steady. For most individuals, it's best to periodize this stuff and think about, okay, let's head in this direction and focus on that and kind of go from there. In reality, when people get started, they're going to want everything at every which time. And it's just, again, just like alcohol, explaining to them the trade-offs and the priorities of this stuff. And it's like, I know this is why you want this, but keep in mind, if you truly want to get to this place, the first place to start is for you to be gaining some muscle. And you might have to stay at your current level of leanness right now to achieve that. Now we can do this in phases and I want to talk to you a little bit more about what that would look like, but that is going to be the best chance of you setting up for success. Now you could do both at the same time, but it's just going to be painfully slow and you're not going to feel like anything's working and you may or may not hate me. And that doesn't sound like a good way for us to work together. So let's, let me show you um, kind of what this would break down and look like roughly because things change and timelines change, but that is going to be your best chance of success. And that's why I would encourage you to go to that direction. That's a great answer. And I think honestly, Mark, th- it's one of the biggest, most difficult questions that personal trainers deal with because everybody wants that. And it's such a pain point. And obviously we don't always handle their nutrition, but if you do have someone who's a nutrition coach and a personal trainer, it's also hard to say, Hey, listen, you just like yell at them, like you're not eating enough. Like we can't do this. You can't be having 1300 calories if your goal is X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. I find it uh, a pain point that I've dealt with in the past and that a lot of other personal trainers deal with when working with clients. And I think that's a good way to describe it and just say, hey, listen, your your progress is going to be slow, uh, little to nothing if you go about it this way. You're not going to like me. It's going to be a weird relationship. You just have to trust me and we have to s- sort of figure out what's more important to you, go one angle and then sort of work around. We'll get to your goal. You know, it might take four months, but if we got to your goal the way you want, it's going to take nine months and it's, and it's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. Awesome. Yeah. I think 
one of the biggest pros of having the capacity to control someone's nutrition and also their new training is that like you can kind of you have control over much more of it outside of just the training sessions and that type of thing. So it's one of those things where sometimes I'll even like, if they're dead set on that, again, we're not convincing people outside of this stuff. And I think a lot of times one of the most effective coaching strategies is like, let's do things your way for a certain period of time where I'm constantly reminding you why this isn't going as quickly as you want so that they can do it my way. That's the same thing with the weight cutting thing, right? It's like, I'm going to do it. And it's like, listen, this is too much and not the best environment. We can go about it anyway. And I'm going to set, do my best to set you up for success, but I really wouldn't do it. Again, the the decision's up to you. We go down it. You're looking at this, you know, 18 year old kid sitting down at a powerlifting meet, looking completely zapped and dead. And you're thinking, you see what I'm saying? This is, right. And from there, the trust has just been like baked in and built in because you like, you know, within the right arrangement, did it, did it their way. And now they're like, yep, you're right. Let's, let's do it your way. That kind of thing. I think like, again, the majority, 90% of coaching and training is going to be reassuring people that they're on the right track and reminding them where they're coming from and where they're going and why they need to continue doing the things that they're doing. Like, it's not anything more than that. And if you can kind of continue to be like, Hey, listen, you know, you started at 180 and now you're 184 and maybe it's a little bit slow, but we're heading in the right direction. You need to continue on this path. Um, keep in mind, like if you weren't focusing on any of this stuff, you'd probably be going backwards and you don't want to be doing that. So like, let's, let's continue on. And if you can do that stuff enough, people will see the the value of it and they'll continue to be engaged and buy in and kind of go from there. Mark, this has been fantastic information, maybe even better than the first podcast. Uh, give the listeners in the audience all of your info where they can find your program, where they can maybe reach out to you personally if they have any questions, your Instagram and anything else you can think of. Yeah, I'm probably most active on Instagram, M-A-R-C-W Morris, but I've really been diving into my YouTube lately and just enjoying the entire process around long form content. So I'd encourage you to check it out there as well. Our next program will start in January, but you can always reach out for a little bit more information and see if it's a good fit by sending me a message or an email. My guest today has been Dr. Mark Morris. Mark, thank you for joining the Truly Fit Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform, and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.